Good evening and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Your Story Transmedia, a startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher in the Winnipeg area. You can check out their entire line of comic books and ebooks available for $1.99 at their website, yourstory.ca, as well as their high quality first edition 8.5 by 11 physical magazine style comics available for $11.99. And be sure to use one time promo code JETS2020 to get 15% off your order. Stick around to learn more about Your Story's comics and soon to be published games. Tonight's episode is going to be taking a look at some of the world sports events that occurred today because there was some interesting news that broke, especially in regards to international football. And then we'll take a little bit of a look at some of the games that are currently ongoing, as well as what happened last night between Dallas and Colorado. At a high level, I already covered a bit of the uh, the Avs Dallas Stars game, but I kind of have to wait for a couple of these other hockey games that are currently ongoing to finish because right now Philadelphia and the New York Islanders are currently locked in a 4-4 draw heading into overtime number two. So I can't exactly tell you a, a full story of what's happening in that game yet, but you'll you'll know by the end of tonight what exactly occurred and who's going to end out on the, uh, the winning side of the series although it may need a Game 7 pending what happens in the uh, the second overtime period, but we'll find out in just a couple of minutes, hopefully. This game really needs to finish before I go to bed because I do not want to stay up for like another three hours like we did watching Tampa Bay versus Columbus. But Dallas-Colorado, first things first, very interesting series so far. I think we've seen, I don't know, a bit of a pendulum swing. Early on throughout the uh, the first couple of parts of the series, Dallas, I think, had a lot more control of what was going on, especially at even strength. They were putting the Avs, who were playing uncharacteristically poorly, in a bit of a pinch. But, you know, over the past couple of games, I think we've seen the Avs start to show a lot more of why we thought that they were a Stanley Cup contender, especially in this particular field. You know, Colorado has, you know, a a pretty good, pretty deep roster with some really offensively gifted defensemen and really good high-scoring forwards. Sure, their back line could use a little bit of work, especially in the defensive zone, and maybe the goaltending isn't exactly stout. Right now, it's down to Michael Hutchinson and Pavel Francouz. But taken as a whole, the Avs definitely have the potential to come back in this series, and they actually did so last night, cutting their 3-2 series deficit down to a draw 3-3, forcing a Game 7, winner takes all, tomorrow night, I believe. For Dallas, this is probably worst-case scenario. I don't think you wanted Colorado really having a chance in the series, and now the door is completely wide open for them to come and take the series. In some ways, I felt like throughout this entire playoff picture, I I think Dallas has overperformed a little bit. You know, this is a talented team, right? But I don't think that the, uh, the Stars are the kind of team that I look at and think, wow, absolute offensive juggernaut. They're sort of like the New York Islanders in terms of having a couple of really good top six talents, but the rest of the team is maybe lacking just a bit towards the bottom six. Where I think they might differ is that they don't quite have the same level of goaltending depth, and I feel like, generally speaking, their defensive efforts are not as crisp and sharp either. You know, when you look at a Barry Trotz team, generally speaking, when the Isles are playing up to their standards, they can lock you out and shut you down pretty easily. Tonight might be a little bit of an exception, and we'll talk about that uh, in just a little bit, but generally speaking... Dallas, for me, has been playing a bit of loose hockey. Even when they've had a a nice in-game lead, maybe a couple of goals, it's never really felt safe. I mean, Dallas and Colorado have both had issues getting close to blowing the leads that they've been able to build. 
which is kind of atypical of these teams. I feel like Dallas in particular should not be conceding this many goals. But as far as viewership is concerned, it does make for really entertaining fire wagon hockey. And I suppose as a neutral, I don't really care who wins in this series. I just want the most exciting action that I can get, as well as some really interesting results. So Dallas and, and Colorado exchanging blows, totally fine with me. I think as far as the, the Avs are concerned, they're already thinking about their next opponent because more than likely, Game 7, I think they're going to come out on top. Where that may not exactly pan out is even if they advance to the next round, they're now down Gabriel Landeskog, and it's not exactly clear if he's going to be healthy for Game 7. You know, Landeskog is definitely not as important as he used to be, but he's still a, a very capable top six forward and somebody who can be an effective attacker and create a lot more offensive opportunities. I think the real concern is that this team is just running out of depth. You know, they lost Connor Timmons at some point, and I don't know if he's healthy enough to play. And they were already down three or four skaters heading into last night, and now they're down another two skaters plus Grubauer. So they're running a bit thin. They don't have a whole lot of reinforcements to call upon. They had to bring in a guy named O'Connor, who I'm not exactly familiar with. But suffice it to say, they're they're in a bit of a pinch. That said, if you see a performance from McKinnon and Rontanen like we did last night, where McKinnon wasn't even at his best and yet he was still able to create a beautiful assist to, to Rontanen on a perfect goal that ended up padding the lead just enough to keep Dallas out of reach. I think that you're you're doing okay. You know, you want to see more of this offensive production from McKinnon because he's been dominant on the power play, but if he gets frustrated and struggles, obviously that team starts to look a lot less scary. McKinnon, you know, and the Avs are, are sort of a one-two punch. You know, McKinnon is more or less that team's top six attack, and it opens up a lot of other opportunities for guys like Burakovsky to bring their underrated game into into action and adding some depth scoring because, you know, guys like Burakovsky have really stepped up this series and, and provided some offensive output against a Dallas team that somehow keeps finding answers in ways I didn't expect. The Stars, though, might be cooked. I, I think that they're getting close to the limits of what they're capable of doing, and it looks like if, if Colorado is rolling at 5v5 and on the power play like they did in their last game where they won 4-1, you know, the Stars might be out of it tomorrow, so we'll see what happens. I mean, this is a tied series. It's coming to Game 7. Anything can happen. But if the Avs have found that magic gear that I've been waiting for them to put together throughout this entire series, it might be over for Dallas. I think that Colorado rolling at even strength really is a dominant force and a team that can just kind of suck the life out of you. The Stars have had to face some really tricky opponents heading into this series, and this may be the last opponent they really wanted because Colorado has enough pace and skill to really stretch you out and start to tire you out. We may be seeing the after effects of that hitting right about now. Up next, we will cover some of the international football news and also talk a bit about the Flyers-Islanders game. Hopefully, we'll have a bit of a conclusion by then, although I think it's going to keep stretching on because for some reason, these teams do not seem to want to score goals, which is hilarious to say considering right now the score is 4-4, but, you know, they are having some issues getting that final opportunity to put this one away. Before then, though, I wanted to talk to you a bit about something that's very important, and that is car maintenance. Right now, we're in the holiday stretch where we're starting to think about traveling and going on vacations, though I think most of us are probably trying to travel a little bit less. But for those of us who can drive and, and get to other places, you might be thinking about updating your vehicle and making sure everything is in working order. When you need to replace car parts, though, it can be tricky to figure out the best place to buy them. That's why rockauto.com makes it easier than ever before to order the exact parts you need, when you need them, at the price you need them. RockAuto.com is a family-run business with over 20 years of experience in the automotive industry and features an intuitive, easy-to-use website that allows you to filter by make, year, and model for your vehicle 
as well as the price range you want to pay for the parts, so that you always get what you need at the price you need. There's no membership fee, and everyone pays the same prices regardless of experience level, so everyone gets the same exact savings, sometimes 20-50% to 50% off retail brick-and-mortar in-store pricing. If you place an order, be sure to write locked on in the how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com. Earlier in the show, I also talked about Your Story Transmedia, the startup indie comic book, graphic novel, and video games publisher in Winnipeg. For those of you who follow my personal Twitter, you probably know that I'm a bit of a geek. I like comic books, anime, I'm a gamer, I play a lot of FIFA and all that fun stuff. Don't ask me about my Fall Guys record, it's pretty bad. One thing, though, that I do really like is when I get to watch or read something that has a bit of a local flair, something from where I'm from that has a bit more, you know, of a hometown feel, and that's what your story brings with a great lineup of comics, including their flagship comic, The River Knows, set in Winnipeg during the 1960s. It's a supernatural, noirish detective story featuring quite a bit of cosmic dread, some buddy cop shenanigans, but all with a bit of an ominous tone throughout the entire proceeding. It's got a visual style that's reminiscent of Sin City and feels like X-Files crossed with Mad Men. You can check out the first issue of The River Knows on yourstory.ca for $1.99 in ebook format or for $11.99 if you want to purchase one of their high-quality, limited print-run 85 by 11 magazine-style comic books. You can also find their other ebooks for $1.99, including Through Space and Time and Stuff, Eon, and Undercover UFO. Your Story will also be launching their game, Alien Machine Glow, focusing on the misadventures of a cucumber farmer who finds out he can see aliens. You can check out Alien Machine Glow, as well as Your Story's other comic books, graphic novels, and media productions at yourstory.ca, and be sure to use one-time promo code JETS2020 to enjoy 15% off your order. Again, that is JETS2020 to enjoy 15% off your order at yourstory.ca. We're going to take a brief break from hockey news to discuss a little bit of the Premier League action that has happened. And we, I guess, can't really call it Premier League action because it's more like a bit of a political situation. The Premier League has actually decided to suspend its TV deal with a company called Suning in China, which I believed owned all of the broadcast rights for the Premier League in China. And China, of course, is starting to become a burgeoning football fandom and certainly has a lot of revenue coming in for Premier League TV ratings. But the issue here was that it sounds like there were some payments that weren't made, and the Premier League really wasn't pleased with it. I also think, though, that despite statements to the contrary, there's also a bit of a political issue at stake. If you haven't seen yet, of course, there's the uh, the issue of how China has handled the Uyghur Muslim population that they're currently interning, and that has actually caused quite a few political rifts, uh, as well as a lot of other mounting tensions between the British government and the Chinese government over different things like 5G regulation, public image. I mean, there's just so many different complicated things involved in this process. So I imagine that the, the British Premier League deal probably wasn't just the lack of revenue payments. I think that there was a lot more ongoing and that this was probably the most convenient way for the EPL to kind of save a little bit of face and make it look more, uh, I guess, pragmatic than also it being a bit of a PR distancing move. It's going to be kind of a weird situation because obviously this is a big money contract. I mean, we're talking 550 million uh, sterling as far as I recall, and it could be a, a sign of future issues involved with pro sports leagues. I mean, the NHL has, I think, some affiliations with some Chinese companies and whatnot, especially since they've traveled over to China to host a couple of games in recent times. So, you know, this may be an issue that doesn't really go away and only continues to grow for a lot of these pro sports leagues, especially in the Western Hemisphere. Returning back to NHL action, the, the Flyers and Islanders game actually finally ended, mercifully, although we're going to get a Game 7 because the Islanders had a bit of, of a fluky issue in double overtime. You know, they, they dominated this game, of course, to get 
a four-goal scoreline, right? So you'd think they wouldn't need to go to double overtime, but unfortunately, Semyon Varlamov was really bad and kept conceding really soft goals, especially early in the game. And, like, if they had just one or two extra saves, this series would have been over. But as it is, the Flyers managed to rally back and force a Game 7, which I don't think favors the Isles. You know, if if Carter Hart continues to goalie Long Island the way he just did, I mean, that's, that's a recipe for disaster if you're the Islanders. Because I, I saw, you know, the Flyers were not really generating a whole lot of dangerous opportunities. For the most part, they weren't really able to create much of anything, and their game-winning goal was a point shot from Ivan Provorov that came off of a fluky, broken stick for one of the Islander skaters. New York basically ran the entire slot and had an absolutely dominant 5v5 performance, but just could not bury any of the chances that they needed to. You know, Jordan Eberle had a monster, monster game. I think he had, like, something of a... Uh, two expected goals when he was on the ice. I mean, just something absurd. But apparently one of the only goals he was on the ice for was the opposing goal. So that's that's just not really the kind of stat line that you'd want to see from a guy who's so talented and was so close to finishing opportunities, but could not solve Carter Hart. And if you're the Islanders, I, I, I have to think that you are happy with the performance overall, but displeased that you just did not get that extra save. So in Game 7, it's got to be Thomas Grice in net. I don't think that Varlamov can come back and, you know, he wasn't exactly great in the last game either. And I know that Trotz maybe thinks that he's the starter, but I, I think you're thinking Grice all the way in the next game because, like, you know, Varlamov just hasn't been particularly sharp over the past couple of games. I don't know if the workload is somehow too much for him at this stage or if he's just not that good. I don't think it can be workload because it's not like the Islanders are giving him a whole lot to do. If it's a ladder, that's kind of an issue because he just signed a, a decent contract extension, if I recall correctly, and it's, it's going to be not a cheap deal either, so... The Islanders might be in, in some trouble here if, if Grice or Varlamov are not capable of making those extra saves in Game 7. You know, the Flyers don't really have to do a whole lot to hurt you anyways and score on a fluky goal. As far as the next series is concerned, I'm just kind of wondering what exactly Philadelphia would expect to do, even if it advances. I mean, they just weren't that good. And against a team like Tampa Bay, man, I don't know if they have enough firepower to exchange blows with that team. You know, the Islanders don't, but New York always has a weird, grindy defensive style that for favors a trap encounter so that they can create offense out of a really strong defensive structure. I don't think Philadelphia is really built to handle that, and unless Vigneault changes tactics and kind of opens the uh, offensive playbook up a bit, I don't really know if they're going to survive Tampa Bay. That's a, a mismatch in my opinion, and I feel like the Islanders, oddly enough, might be better equipped to handle that series. Up next, we'll check in on Vancouver versus Vegas, which continues to be a bit of an exciting show, I guess, in the sense that uh, Thatcher Demko's amazing. That's all I have to say about that. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets show, and we are about to talk about the Thatcher Demko show, as it were. Uh, I think that he has be basically become the Vancouver Canucks. I would say that Vancouver in this series has been fortunate in some respects. You know, they have had some timely goal scoring, and I feel like Pettersson and Hughes have stepped up in a big way. Same with Bo Horvat throughout the playoffs, but in a game like this, and even in the last game, you know, the Canucks are basically just hanging on against a Vegas team that is truly one of the most terrifying forces in the NHL. The other night, Thatcher Demko made something like, I don't know, 45 saves on 47 shots or something absurd like that, and it looks like he's uh, he's going to be doing the same kind of thing tonight. Through two periods, he is currently stonewalling Vegas, 26 shots, and none of them have gone through. Vegas is just trying to f find a way through. I mean, 
you know, Vancouver is basically holding on for dear life with a one nothing lead. They had a stretch of about 20 minutes where they did not record a single shot on goal. All of this coming after a very strong start that saw Jake Furtanen open the scoring and then nothing else happened. I mean, Vancouver basically just kind of fell apart and hasn't been able to create much offensive presence aside from like one Tyler Myers breakaway attempt. The Knights have to be just absolutely gobsmacked at the fact that none of their shots have managed to find their way through. They're getting so many high danger chances because Vancouver's defense is kind of scrambling inside the crease and not really able to man mark or cut down those shooting and passing lanes, especially against a team that is as fast and as skilled as the Knights are. The rapid puck movement is definitely causing Vancouver issues and has been an issue throughout this entire series, but Thatcher Demko remains that big equalizer. Just kind of like we saw with Carter Hart versus the uh, New York Islanders, Demko is basically stealing this game and it might just be enough to get Vancouver to Game 7. They've got a 20-minute period left against this uh, really resilient, really dangerous Vegas Golden Knights squad, and I'm not sure if they can hold that lead, but if they do, and if they force the Game 7, you know, man, I don't know. It's it's hard to say that Vegas really is favored in this series because, I don't know, Demko just seems to have the answer for everything. I know in my head and on paper, Vegas is the much better team and has been dominant throughout most of this series. Something about this Canuck squad, though, I don't know. It feels just a little bit special, and maybe maybe they just continue to find a way to, to grit out a win, get enough saves, find a really lucky, squeaky goal from somewhere, and take it and run to the bank. I mean, this is kind of a... Well, this is the approach you really have to take against the Vegas Golden Knights because you aren't going to be controlling play against them, especially not at even strength. You've got Mark Stone, Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith, Shea Theodore... Nate Schmidt. I mean, can you really point out all that many weak links on this team? There just aren't. I mean, even Alex Tuck, who's playing like a middle six role on this squad, is just fantastic and one of the best attacking wingers on that squad. And right now, he's not even getting top line deployments. There's just so much offensive depth, and even like the bottom six is is actually pretty decent. The fourth line, I have some questions about, but generally speaking, Vegas has all of the matchup advantages, and yet it hasn't mattered because Thatcher Demko continues to be incredible. If Vancouver survives tonight and gets to Game 7, Thatcher Demko will never have to pay for a drink in Vancouver ever again, and I think he probably won't have to anyways because he's already won a game, especially in an elimination matchup, and again, he's doing it again in another elimination game against an amazing team, and somehow he just doesn't seem to be bothered by it. He's got about 20 minutes to continue riding his, I guess, burgeoning playoff legend already at the age of, what, like 23? It's kind of cool to see the kids essentially taking over for this Canuck squad because for the longest time, you know, Vancouver was touted as signing all of these great depth players and, you know, getting some really good free agency deals. But I think most of us are actually very much on the other foot as far as how we see these uh, Jim Benning moves. Most of us, I think, see Tyler Myers, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle as being more of a mistake than a, a positive outcome. You know, no disrespect to any of those guys. They fight really hard. They fight for the badge, as they say. And I think that, you know, when they, they really work hard, I think that that is something that they deserve credit for. But unfortunately, their on-ice impact just doesn't always match up to their level of effort. Myers, in particular, is having a howler of a series, which isn't surprising because he's just not as mobile and he doesn't really read plays as fast as he used to, especially during his rookie year. If Vancouver makes it through, they're basically relying on all of their under-24 and under-25 players. You know, lots of kids lots of young prospects, uh, some guys who are younger veterans, generally speaking. It's a youth movement, man, and they're they're clinging to it. So I, I kind of hope in some respects that they make it through. I know that it's sort of weird because I feel like Vegas definitely deserves to, to advance. And if Colorado advances, maybe Vegas is a team that can really stop them and, and no one else. But 
maybe Vancouver can do it. If Vancouver can survive this this incredible Vegas Knights squad, maybe they can survive the Avs. That's going to do it for tonight's recaps. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Ivampato, as well as all of our other affiliate shows from across our network, so you can get some more in-depth looks at some of the trades, as well as the uh, free agency discussions and game recaps from our affiliates. Thanks so much, have a great night, and go Jets go!